welcome to episode 114 of Let's Talk with Scoggs. This week's guest is my friend, Ross Strachey. Ross works in television, production. He's sort of walked a million lives, as one does when you move to Los Angeles with a lot of ambition and a lot of energy and just a focus on what you want to make happen. So Ross has worked in television, in production. He's worked with managers. He will share all of that with us. And I invited Ross to be on the show because I wanted to highlight another story of tenacity and just believing in yourself and wanting to make something happen for yourself in a city, in a town, in an age where it's very difficult. I'm very proud of Ross and all of the progress that he's made in himself and in his career. And I just know the sky's the limit. He is just getting started. Ross currently is working on a project called Invincible with Amazon Prime. You may have seen it. It is a adult action cartoon. It's a very compelling story. So check that out if you have a chance. But I mostly want you to take away from this that if you apply yourself, whether it's in a career or self-improvement, you can achieve something as long as you're willing to put in the work. And I don't mean find yourself exhausted, but I mean to really be focused on what you want to achieve and take small steps every day to make that happen, whether it's cold calling someone to get a contact or if it's every day making a small positive change to better yourself and your well-being. And Ross was just lovely. Towards the end of the show, he gives some extremely thoughtful advice on how to prepare yourself for the workforce. A very unexpected answer, but one that I very much agree with. So enjoy. I hope you love Ross just as much as I do. And share this episode with a friend who might need that little extra encouragement. So here is episode 114 with Ross Strachey. But I have never recorded an episode on a Sunday. Yes. Really? This is your first Sunday recording? We should play. We should play uh, Chance of Rappers <laughs> Sunday Candy. It's. Um, I just feel very relaxed because it's. I don't have to really do anything else today, and I'm just in my jammies basically still. So this is kind of nice. Yeah, I'm 100% still in sweatpants <laughs> and 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 a, and, a, and a sweatshirt, and all I have to do today is like kind of move rooms and within my apartment, mm-hmm. which I did mostly yesterday. But you know, I have to finish that. Are you today. upgrading? I am. That's exciting. I am. I'm going to the upstairs room. I was on the downstairs room. Now I'm on the upstairs room. (laughs) What does a typical Sunday look like for you? Do you like run errands or do you relax mostly? You know, um, this is funny. I've been asked this typical Sunday question recently and I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) I mean, it's very different. Honestly, during football season, during the NFL, it's me in front of a TV doing nothing like paying attention to the NFL games, but also on my phone, like, you know, doing the millennial, like I need to be like thinking of other things. Sometimes I'll go to like a bar, you know, on Sundays and stuff like that. But, you know, for the most part, Sundays are Sundays are recovery days, you know, just from like whatever you do on Saturday and then the long week Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Did you go out last night? Um, I did not. No, no, I did not. I was moving. Oh, that's right. And all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, oh no, no, it's totally, I, I did have some very delicious Indian food though. Ooh. So that was, that's always a bonus. Will and I went yeah. to 
a very fancy fine dining experience last night here in Oklahoma City called this place what was it gray called? sweater have you heard of it okay I have not but that does sound that that is honestly that the naming of that also sounds so <laughs> Oklahoma City fancy I can't even describe it it's not a Ross friendly menu but um ah, it, it was like little it was like that, it's not the only place that yeah that's true <laughs> Um, it was like seven courses and everything was teeny tiny, but it was like a whole experience. I've never eaten like that before. It was very fancy. It was one of my Christmas presents. So it was, um, it's been, oh, that's a good Christmas yeah, present. Good job. Well. Food. Get me some food. So it was pretty cool. Did you like it? When we got there, she lived in LA for a couple of years, right by where Will and I used to live. So we made—I feel like I kind of made a friend a little bit. I'm trying to make friends here because I'm oh. new. So I, I didn't get her number because I, I don't know how to do that as an adult. Like, hey, you want to be my friend? Here's my number. I didn't do that. It's a real. No, that's a real. That's a real thing of like you know. Okay, and uh, yeah, not yeah. It's weird. Making new friends at this age is very, very difficult. If you don't have, like, somebody who, like, introduces you. You know what I mean? Yes. And I work from home, so I don't have a built-in friendship network. Like, when I was in L.A., I met the most awesome people through jobs. And they're still dear friends. Yeah. And I work from home now, so I don't really have that opportunity. So something I'm working on is being, you know, out where it's comfortable because COVID is still very much on my mind. Um, yep. But just, you know, putting myself out there, and to your point, it's challenging as an adult without a system in place. Like in high school, we were on the field hockey team. Those were my friends. And you're maybe in my physics class. We have to work on a project together. Oh, let's, let's hang out. Let's work on this thing. We're friends. College, same idea. And I mean, I met you through Will, so I've been using him because <laughs> he's, you know, he's got all these wonderful people in his life. So yeah, it's kind of hard as an adult to know, is this awkward? Do we understand that we all don't know how to make friends over the age of like 25? So I'm working on it. No, I totally get it. And, uh, you know, if you pick up any tricks to th that work, you let me know. Yeah. Um, okay, so Ross, you are such a fun person to invite on the show because I typically source guests through a PR situation where someone sends me an email and says like, hey, this is so-and-so and they're working on this and would you like to have them on the show? I also really love to bring folks that I know in real life who have done awesome things and have a whole journey and a story that I love. And you're also very charismatic and lovely. So thank you for doing this for me. Cause I know it's not like a regular expectation for someone like you, but I, I moved to LA from Rhode Island, the tiniest little state with aspirations of working in the music industry. And I moved and I have that like, montage in my head of me packing and then driving across country and then finding an apartment and is she gonna make it you know like that like 80s movie moment yeah. 
and you moved to LA Definitely. from Oklahoma. So another yeah. like underdog story, so to speak. So I'm curious to start with Ross at like 15 years old, I assume in Oklahoma. And yeah. what were his aspirations at that time? Uh, I thought I was going to be a professional baseball player up until like the age of like 18. What? Um, yeah. So, um, I played very, very, very competitive baseball. Uh, you know, I played not casual, but like played on some summer league teams and stuff until like the ages of 10 or 11. And then I went on this 12 year old team and, uh, called the banditos and did really well. And then, you know, uh, I don't know. Anyways, from there, there was a team called the elite in Oklahoma. That was actually like very, very good. Um, uh, of that team, at least two of them are in the majors right now. Um, and Bryce Harper played on that team. Uh, they, we literally flew him in from Vegas when we were 14 to come play with us. <laughs> like, go and play other, like, really, really, really good teams. And so then I got to high school and, uh, you know, uh, I uh, just put a lot into it. And I just, anyways, uh, I was fortunate enough to, like, my senior year, two of my teammates uh, were just unbelievably good and are both currently in the major leagues uh, on my high school team. Wow. And uh, we, I just, I, I worked really, I worked hard, but like not as hard. Like, I don't know. Uh, anyways, uh, I was, I was good, but I, I was, I was lucky enough to like see them and realize I was not mm. good enough to play professional mm. baseball. And then we also lost the state championship game, you know, in a fashion where I still, you know, uh, hold on to us being screwed out of it. Mm. Uh, and um, not to dive into that on this podcast, because that gets me going on like an hour long tangent personally, because I'm still not over it. Yeah. Uh, and I should be. I know that. I'll acknowledge that I should get over something that happened like 11 or 12 years ago. I get that, everybody. Um, anyways, all that to say is uh, I... I had some baseball scholarships when I graduated and I just was like, actually, you know what? I think I'm not going to do this. I think I'm going to go to college and major in journalism, but also drink <laughs> and, um, and have a really good time. And that's, that's honestly what I did. And then I got to college and I was like, I'm just kind of jumping into the second phase. Hopefully that's okay. Um, when I got to college, uh, I, like stumbled into the journalism school like they made you declare a major and i was like i don't know advertising seems okay and advertising within the journalism school at ou and then like i switched to like sports broadcast journalism or something for like a semester mm -hmm. and i covered the women's soccer team at ou which oh, was cool. like a great experience but it was it was really cool and they were awesome and like getting to know some of the players was really cool and i had a a girl who went to my high school was on the team. So she like could give me like some insider knowledge that I couldn't report, which was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. But I hated criticizing athletes, mm. like hated it. I, I had, a, I still have a lot of respect for what it takes to be very good at sports. Um, it's very difficult and, uh, and takes a lot of discipline and a lot of work. And uh, I don't know. I remember I like, interviewed one of the players after a game and she was crying because you know they had lost in a fashion in a bad fashion and she was partly responsible and all this kind of stuff and you know i didn't really want to go and write a story about 
them playing poorly. I, I really didn't like doing that. Um, and that's a part of the job. And so I don't know, I, I immediately learned I didn't want to do that. And so I was just, there, certainly there was like a good amount of time sophomore year. Where I was like, I have no idea what the heck I'm going to do. And um, I uh, ended up meeting this kid who from Oklahoma who interned in Los Angeles for a production company reading scripts and without sounding pretentious at all or anything <laughs> I mean when he was describing that he could do this I remember just sitting there and he was like he can do this I think I can do this mm-hmm. and so yeah that next summer I just kind of was like I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get an internship out here mm-hmm and I, I like shotgun applied to, I think, like 30, 35 places. Oh, wow. Got on this. I first, at first, I got a, an IMDb Pro account mm-hmm. and just started cold calling places. But I wasn't cold calling like small production companies that might need help. I was cold calling Disney. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally like got through to like a Disney executive's um, assistant. Wow. And I was just like, hi, uh, my name is Ross. I know no one in Hollywood and I'm looking for an internship this summer, da, da, da. And she was like, send me your, this poor uh, woman was so kind. She literally was like, send me your email. Like, you yeah. idiot kid. <laughs> uh, and she sent me and she emailed me. She's like, I can't give you an internship at Disney, but here's what I did. And I knew no one. And so she like kind of like pointed me to this site where there'd be internships, oh. internships you'd apply for. And I applied, I shotgun applied to all of them. Didn't hear back for, you know, like two weeks from any of them. And then I just started cold calling every single place that I applied to. Wow. <laughs> and uh, finally, this this um, Jewish film distribution company called Menemsha Films, mm-hmm. uh, I called them and they were like, they were like, wait, you're calling, like, it's a really small establishment. They're like, wait, you're calling us? Like, you really, like, okay, yeah, come. They're like, well, yeah, we'll have, we'll come, we'll have you come work for us for five days uh and um you know we can get into this later but uh just to i will say this i did four internships over the course of all this mm-hmm. uh, two, one that summer two the next summer one when i first moved to la all unpaid mm-hmm. and uh yeah i can uh I, maybe some people would be like that's you know it shows that he really wanted to do it i would say i also was very lucky to like have the means to even be able to work an unpaid internship in los angeles mm-hmm. Uh, and they're vital to the fact that I have a job out here. But anyways, I worked for Menemsha Films for that summer. And um, uh, I mean, I hope Heidi and Neil never listen to this because they've been so nice to me. But I hated it. I really did. Uh, they they were so kind. And I list, I like watched a lot of really great movies. Uh, that I and like it's the first time I really like learned to watch movies with subtitles. And that opened up a whole new world mm-hmm. for me. All right, everyone, I want to let you in that I am in the middle of solving a murder mystery. June's Journey, it's free to download, and it is connecting me with my inner true detective. It has been so fun. I love to play this game when I need just a little bit of a break from the world, need a little bit of me time, so I'll, you know, pull up in a cozy chair in the living room, throw a blankie over my lap, and dive into this 1920s murder mystery. I love the music. If you put the music on full blast, it really sets the tone and does make you feel like you're in a true crime series. And June's Journey is just full of hidden clues, immersive scenes, 
with danger and romance in full force. The game is free to download, and what you're looking for is hidden objects, so you're really tapping into your observation skills. This game makes me feel like I've gone back in time, back in the roaring 20s, all that fashion, all that glitz and glam, but wrapped in a murder mystery. This game has already has 30 million downloads, um, and I'm one of those people. So, ready to awaken your inner detective? Download June's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's June's Journey on the Apple App Store or Google Play. So my question to you is, how are you taking care of your mental health? How are you managing your stress? Maybe you're experiencing anxiety. How are you managing that? I'm not sure if you realize this, but in the last year, the rates of anxiety and depression have doubled in the U.S., these days, it can take weeks to get a traditional therapy appointment. So that's why I'm so happy to tell you about Cerebral. Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. If you've opted to try Cerebral, please let me know. I am so happy that you are here. And... For me, therapy has just made such a world of difference in understanding myself and how to cope with high stress situations when I'm feeling depressed. Um, you know, it just gives you tools and Cerebral is such a convenient way to do that. It's one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships the medication straight to your door. You can skip the pharmacy lines you have unlimited messaging with your care team. With the Cerebral mobile app, it's like having your personal care team wherever you are, and you can connect with your counselor and therapist on your own schedule through your laptop or the Cerebral mobile app. So that means that you can take your sessions in the comfort of your home. You do not have to you know, wait to be seen, and it's based on your schedule when it's most convenient for you. There are affordable treatments that are one-third the price of traditional therapy. Treatment options are available with or without insurance. Cerebral is in network for sub several insurers, and they were working every day to expand their partnerships. So if you're ever out of network, they will provide you with the necessary paperwork so you can easily submit a claim. And one of the most exciting things about Cerebral is that Miss Simone Biles... The queen herself is their chief impact officer. As you may have known in the recent Olympics, she has come out and expressed that she is a huge advocate for mental health and she modeled for all of us by prioritizing her mental health during those games. It's important to her that Cerebral is choosing to you know, reduce the stigma around getting treatment. And she loves Cerebral because she can choose her therapist. And it's important to her that her therapist understands her background and experiences. It's great for her lifestyle and she can speak to her therapist wherever she is. So here is the most exciting part. If any of this sounds like you could benefit from it, for listeners of this program, you can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash SCOGS, S-C-O-G-G-S. Go to Cerebral.com slash SCOGS for 65% off your first month. That's just a total of $30 to get started. 
Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Thank you, Cerebral. Okay, true crime fans, this is it. Here's another one for you. This is such a unique sponsor. I wish I had thought of this, but I'm excited to tell you about Hunt a Killer. It is a murder mystery subscription box. That's right. And it's one of the most unique games that I've ever played. Your help is needed in an investigation so you can hone your detective skills from the comfort of your couch. You can ease back into social life with maybe a murder mystery, whether it's a date night or a game night with friends. Hunter Killer brings you together by challenging you to decode ciphers, examine clues, and solve puzzles. It's kind of like having an escape room delivered right to your door. And with every delivery, you'll sift through piles of documents, evidence. It's so immersive and fun. And if you don't want a subscription, there's plenty of other one-off mysteries and collections, you know, that need to be solved all season long. One of my favorite parts of Hunter Killer is that you can join their spoiler-free online community and help each other solve difficult puzzles and talk about the true crime. So there is a community aspect of it. The other thing that I love is that part of the proceeds of every box goes to the Cold Case Foundation, an organization that is dedicated to helping with real-life cold cases. So if you're looking for a fun way to reunite with some friends or family or maybe a date night, you can go to huntakiller.com slash SCOGS. Use code SCOGS, S-C-O-G-G-S, for $10 off your first order. Again, make sure to use code SCOGS for a $10 discount. Enjoy. And I'm really grateful for that. But the actual work was like cold emailing and cold calling people to go see the movie because we were distribution. Ah, uh, okay. And it was, it was, it was rough. Mm-hmm. It was rough. Um, and then, yeah, but the, the best thing I said that summer is like, I knew what I wanted to do next and I knew how to get, I knew how to better prepare my resume, how to like interview and I like learned all that stuff that summer from talking to other interns and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so the next summer when I came out, I had uh, two internships lined up, one with Color Force who did Hunger Games, uh, People oh, vs. Wow. OJ, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And one was Circle of Confusion, who is a management production company. Their clients have done Walking Dead, um, Matrix, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's you literally at both places, you literally just read scripts and write coverage. And coverage is like this thing where you write a page to a page and a half, a synopsis of what you read, and then you write your comments, which is like essentially it's pass. Um, consider or recommend um and your comments explain why you're giving it what you're giving it so sorry there's a lot of there, i have a lot of follow-up yeah, no, things please. here first of all yeah please hit me with all i do want to share with you that when i moved to la i had an unpaid internship i it was in culver city i was crashing with family in corona california so i drove oh my god 120 miles four days a week for nothing and I had saved up as much as I could before I moved. And again, what a privilege to be able to do that, especially in a town where you know nobody. Um, and I, I relate to that. I 
did like as much research as I could. Ross, I entered beauty pageants in college. I'm so embarrassed to admit this. I don't even know if I talked to Will about this, but I wanted to be Carson <laughs> Daly. Like I wanted to work for MTV and like interview artists and introduce the music videos and be a VJ. And my university, and I don't know if your university guided you at all, but my school was like, we don't know what to do with that. So good luck. So oh, the yeah. cold calling yeah. and the researching and the emailing anybody that will give you just a nugget of information or direction to help guide you. I very much relate to that. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we're having this conversation and we're going to share it with folks is because there's a lot of just your own drive and your own cleverness and like sleuthing on the internet to some respect of figuring out who I can't talk to the head of the studio or I couldn't talk to the head of the network, but what is adjacent or what would be a stepping stone or who will give you some sort of direction. So I relate to yeah. that very, very much. And I had no idea that you had done that as well especially in you did it over and over. Like my internship eventually turned into a job. I mean, they paid me, but it wasn't a lot. It was just like, okay, stepping stone. Now I can move out of my sister's place, stop crashing with them and move to LA and like get a two bedroom apartment with a friend. So it's like baby steps, all these little things. And then my other question to you is with your, is, what would, what would you say that is when you're reading those script? Is that like script supervision? Um, okay, I apologize. What's the what was the first question? Well, the first question was just like it wasn't really a question. It was just like I hear you on the unpaid internship. Yeah, hear me, knock yeah. on doors. Yeah, just sort of validating that. And then the second, again. yeah, then the second point is more of a question. Like, do you feel like your journalism background? then came into play with basically reading all of these scripts and then giving your insights on them. Cause you know, journalism is a lot of writing and research and having a, a point. Yeah. Of view. Yeah. I think journalism really helped with like the writing of the coverage because mm. you have to be clear and concise. And so like a lot of the things, and I mean like, honestly, journalism writing applies to everything in my mm. opinion, in terms of like, you always need to be clear and you always need to be concise. You, you like, you, you really, you just don't need to waste words is, is kind of what that comes down to. And so, and also when you re read your thing, you need to be like, well, constantly asking yourself, am I getting my point across? Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that applies to every writing, I think personally, Yeah. but, um, when it comes to the coverage, uh, you know, it's, they call them readers, like script readers. Oh, okay. And, um, uh, you know, you, you, what you look for is different. It depends on who you're reading for, you know, like I've read for production companies. I've read for Disney before I've read for a bunch of different places and everybody's looking for something different. So, you know, when you're reading something, you have to really be objective and be like, okay, does this fit what they're looking for? Not necessarily what I like, you know, you're not, you're kind of, you're, it's a hybrid of both. It's your taste and combined with understanding what their taste is. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, at Color Force, they had, a, they had a deal, I think, with FX at the time. That's like the people were OJ. That's where that came in and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you had to look at what FX was making. And then you had to think about both what Color Force makes and what FX likes. So oh. you had to kind of see, okay, would this fit with both of these 
you know, would this fit both of these? Um, That's cool. And those types of things. And then, you know, is it good? And then, you know, it's also for development. So you also, when you're reading, it's like, it's not just, is it good? Is it okay? Or aspects of it good? Do you think it could be turned into something better? You know, uh, there's a lot of different things you kind of look for and you kind of get keyed into learning and, and like reading through the lines and like understanding mm-hmm. those things the more you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not something, I will say this, it's not something you, you need a degree to do. Mm-hmm. It's something that like, I think after somebody did five, 10 things of coverage, they, I'm not saying they'd be pros at it, but they would certainly get to the point where they could do um, satisfying coverage, especially sure. if, if they got like actual guidance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like some internships I went to and it's like, well, you do coverage. We're not going to give you any feedback on it. And by the end of the summer, you find out that that, that entire production company has hated your coverage the whole time. And they've been counting down the days where they don't have to read it anymore. Oh. Or they'll just send you stuff they know is a pass or stuff like that. Um, but other places I've been, like, they, like, critiqued it. You know, like, they, like, like sent me back, like, here's a whole bunch of things you could have done better. And that was really great. I mean... Mm-hmm. Anytime you get criticism, if you're not taking it as a chance to grow, uh, you know, I think that's kind of a mistake. Like you almost always, there's some, something you can get from the critiques you're getting. Yeah, I agree. And then fast forward to your first paid job. What was that in Los Angeles? So my first paid job was, um, I was working for a manager named Tom Jerome, Mm. um, he owns his own company called Think Tank Management Company, mm-hmm. Think Tank Management and Production, uh, and he is a, a manager. So in in Hollywood, there's managers and there's agents, and essentially the biggest difference between agents and managers there's a lot of differences, but the two biggest ones are agents can't produce, and what that means is they can't get a producer credit on on a project, um, and uh, you know, that's explaining that would take a very long time. But, um, that's, <laughs> okay. that's one thing. And um, two is managers and agents. Agents are sellers for the most part. Managers will sell too, but managers really, especially in your early days, really help guide you through the industry and what you can do. If you're a writer and you have a manager, they're the ones who let you know if your script is good enough to send out or not. And, mm. you know, I've been, I've been, on the side sometimes where the writer puts their foot down and like, no, I think this is good to go out. And they're, you know, and the manager's like, okay, I, you know, and they'll send it out and it doesn't do as well. Uh, you know, and that's not always the case, but you know, managers are looking out for you in that mm-hmm. sense. They're really trying to make sure that you, um, you know, develop uh, well as a writer or in your career uh, as an actor and you're making the right calls and making the right decisions and, they're really, that's, that's really, I think where managers come in, whereas agents, you know, can definitely do that certainly for really big talent. You know, that's another thing. If you're a really big talent for an agent, they'll do just about anything <laughs> for you anyways. Um, but if you're starting out and you, you know, like you, the agent is really just like, what can I sell? Uh, you know, what can I, what can I make us money off of? Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's just yeah. their job. And, uh, you know, sometimes I can make them not seen as fun to be around but it's what they do and And they're all really good and do you have a memory of how long you had been in LA at this point and what you thought of when I got my first job yeah 
So if you don't count the two summers I'd been there, because I mean, I like, you know, left and went back to college and left and went back to, like, did the internships and went back to college and stuff. Mm-hmm. When I first moved out to LA full time, I, it took me a month to get a job. Oh, that's and amazing. I'm really, yeah, I'm really fortunate in the sense that like, again, I had done four internships. I had met a lot of people and Tom is actually the first interview I ever did. Uh, wow. I got really lucky on that one. He, he and I just got along. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got lucky in a lot of senses, Tom is actually really, he's a really great boss. Like mm-hmm. he's somebody I consider a friend to this day. Uh, I, that is not the case in LA for most people. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of friends who worked at agencies who have nightmarish experiences. And I'm talking about like not one or two of them. I'm talking about like five, six, seven friends mm-hmm. who talk to me all the time about how they cried every day for like the first three to four months of their jobs. Ugh, it's um, tough. Stuff like that. It's tough. It is. It's tough. And it's very tough. And you had had that those summers. So you had sort of gotten a lay of the land and the, the culture and the vibe, so to speak, of LA and Hollywood. And just how different I assume that was from you know, playing baseball in Oklahoma and Oh yeah. Yeah. So how did you adjust oh, yeah. to that part of it? Cause I would imagine, I mean, this is how I felt when I moved. It was, I am headed into an industry that is batshit crazy. And I'm also headed into a social scene where it seems like through television and reality TV, it was such a mad madness at that point. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make any friends. Like, how am I going to do this? So once I got the internship thing sort of figured out, I felt like I found my footing. But then it was, do I actually like it here? Do I want to live here? And I loved it right away. But I'm curious what your experience was. Yeah. um, You know, in terms of like what I was getting into with the industry, I, you know, had a pretty good idea. You know, I'd talked to a lot of assistants who had worked at agencies and had really, really laid out how unpleasant it could be. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they also laid out how much of a learning experience it is. And I mean, that's the main thing people do. You, you become an assistant in a representation place, like an agency or management company, because they're the best places to learn. And I say that because they're involved in just about everything you read scripts, you deal with talent, you, you know, deal with directors, you listen in on phone calls, you listen in on deals to be made. It's a true, like, kind of 360 degree view of the industry. And so, you know, that's the main reason you do it. But I mean, I was, I was under no, I knew it was bad. But at the same time, also, like, um, I don't know, I knew I was going to learn a lot. And so I was, I was fine with that. And I, I, you know, I am also super lucky in the sense that I've, I've never had a bad experience at work, like at all. Like I've never been yelled at. I've never seen somebody get yelled at. Mm. I've never, you know, really witnessed things like that. Mm. So, but I know they happen certainly. And I just was lucky enough to work for Tom and work at like, it was just like me and him on the Charlie Chaplin lot, which is, I think now it's the Jim Henson lot. Um, and so, uh, you know, didn't have to deal too much with that. In terms of L.A., you know, I actually didn't – I didn't like it that much in the summers I had mm-hmm. spent out there. I thought it was okay. Um, <clears throat> so when I first moved out to L.A., I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is a place I'd want to be forever. But that changed so fast. It was crazy. I mean, really it did. 
Because LA is LA. So I had like when it came to friends, you know, I had some friends who had worked internships with me who stayed. You know, like they graduated and stayed and got jobs. So when I came out to LA, I I already had a built-in friend group. You know, mm-hmm. like, and they're still you know my closest friends to this day. It's like this like group of like eight or nine of us. And so you know, hanging out with them, um kind of learning about LA more and more like LA is a place that like the more you just the more you explore the more you discover the more you love I really do believe that uh you know NPR had a line once that all of my friends have said me heard me say ad nauseum um New York is the city you love immediately and learn to hate and LA is a city you hate immediately and learn to love and that is absolutely my experience I just I love it more and more every day I spend here I love the food. I love the hiking. I love the beaches. I love the weather. Mm-hmm. I love um, the concerts that are cheap, the comedy shows, the like fact that you find something new here all the time. It's just awesome. Mm-hmm. It's really great. I totally agree. I mean, yeah, I miss it in a lot of ways. Um, and then in other ways, just, you know, your little voice inside of you is telling you if you're in the right place or not. And she changed her tune at a certain point. But I relate very much to the growth. And I mean, I've lived in Oklahoma for almost two years now. And I lived in Rhode Island for about 25. And the diversity that I was exposed to living in Los Angeles was probably the best thing I ever did for myself of people, cultures, um, industries. Like, it's much more diverse. I know here in Oklahoma, it's like, all oil and gas and you packed up your bags and moved out west to work in you know the film industry the production and television like that's such an extravagant thought for a lot of people because they're so used to the norm and the safety and the you know the family lives five minutes away that kind of thing um I would have really regretted it if I hadn't gone to California and found all that growth and as cheesy as it had found myself and all of that. Um, And just as important, just as important as that was to do that, I think moving (laughs) ironically, because I'm talking to you moving to Oklahoma and like buying a house and having that face in my life was, is just as beneficial and important. Um, And I'm sharing all of that because this, these episodes land in the ears of people who need perspective and encouragement and um, just to hear people's experiences to either relate to or think, I never thought about that. And two, both of us didn't really have a whole lot in, the, in our arsenal and then moved and ended up with these wonderful experiences. And, oh, definitely. I, I would yeah. say this to anybody who is listening, who has maybe thought, I don't think I can do that. Mm-hmm. You can. You absolutely can. Um, uh, it could be more, you know, I'm not saying it won't be difficult, but like, if you want to come out here and get in the entertainment industry, you can do it. Like, you absolutely can. I would just say that, like, be very, very, do it for the right reasons. You know, if you were coming out here because, and I'm not saying this is not like as if I didn't have these thoughts too. I'm just saying that this will go away very quickly. If you were doing this because you think it'll be a very glamorous life, if you were doing it because, you know, you want to make a lot of money or, you know, 
any of those above reasons, uh, those are, those don't happen. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this industry is absolutely not glamorous. It's not at all. I still love it and I really enjoy working in it and I look forward to going to work every day, but it's glamorous is not what it is. Um, and then, uh, the money when you start out is, is not good. Right. Like, flat out. <laughs> it's no real way to go about that. It's bad. It's, it's, it's you, you better learn how to budget. You better learn how to budget mm-hmm. and you better learn a, like a, a, an affordable place to live or that kind of thing. And it's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah LA's yeah. tough, but it's also it's so it's magical. It's, it's it really it's is very magical, very magical. I have a question for you, Ross. Um, yeah, how do you? The word success is weird, um, and I have tried to reframe success as I get older, and I've become more focused on the process rather than the outcome of things. Yeah, how do you? Cause you're still like in the prime of being a young man, like living in LA, like working in this industry and you've got all this momentum and it's exciting and everything. So how do you measure success at this point in your life? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoy what you said about it's about the process, not the re- not the results per se. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe I might have mixed it, but um, you know, I think like career success is one thing, mm-hmm. but in terms of like my success, I really just try and judge my own happiness. You know, yes. like if I can find happiness in, in tomorrow or the day or whatever, um, that is successful for me. You know, like if I'm happy, what else am I asking for? You know, like truly, like mm-hmm. if I'm ha- having a good day and I'm happy, like what thing could I have that would make it better? Pretty much nothing. And why would I spoil it with the thought that this could be better in some way when I have it quite good already? Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I think the process is something that's really, you know, like I, you know, I, I, I try and think about this all the time of like just improving and getting like slowly better and better at things. Um mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I tell myself all the time that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And so I just, you know, really, I know it's corny, but like the journey of it all is quite fun. It really is. You know, like the people you meet, the things you get to do. And like, uh, I certainly don't feel like I've made it in terms of like Hollywood success, but I certainly feel like I've made it in terms of like, I'm a happy person and I, uh, I, you know, enjoy my life and I enjoy what I do day to day. And like, you know, and I certainly, I, I look for areas of improvement too, but I don't like beat myself up about it. You know, I, uh, you know, I think like my biggest 2022 goal is to just establish a, a very solid routine, you know, of like get up at this time, go to bed at this time, do these things during the day, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I believe that like in doing that routine, I'll be setting myself up to have like, you know, get better in the ways that I want to get better. And like, you know, yes. put myself in the positions I want to put myself in. And I think yes. that's more about, and you know, like, do I know for sure that it will put me in like the actual place I want to be? No, I don't. But I do feel good that if I do that, I'll be moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Are you a, um, a planner? Like, there's always that question, where do you see yourself in five years? But where do you see yourself in like, two years? If that's if you feel like that's a fair question? Yeah, I do. Honestly, I think I'll still be working on Invincible in some way Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of career. 
I'll probably still be living in the same apartment I live in in Santa Monica. You love um, that place. I it's do. Such a no, good me, and my, spot. me and my roommate Cass are planning on dying here. I think um, mm. it's a really good spot. It's, it's a. Great. I feel I feel very 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 spoiled with the spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I think two years to live in here, and you know, I don't know. Um. Other than that, um, and you know, like. I'm not a planner. I'm really not. I've tried to become more of one. I um, I used to be incredibly disorganized and I've learned to be much more organized just through work because of like out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I I think outside of like, I, I'm pretty sure I'll be working on Invincible still. Mm-hmm. Knock on wood somewhere. And I'm pretty sure um, uh I should also say that the reason I, I believe I'll be working on Invincible, just in case anybody from Amazon listens to this, <laughs> not because I know we'll get greenlit for anything. It's just because I have confidence in the show and I think it's really good and I think we'll get to do seasons. It's not because I know anything. For yeah. anybody who potentially ever listens to this, <laughs> you're optimistic. I know That's good. I am optimistic. That's, that's it. Great. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's really what I got. Those are the two things. Other than that, I have no idea. That's good. Those are those are reasonable without getting too far ahead of yourself things. I I, do, I can't do the five years, but I can do smaller doses of like, where do you see yourself at the end of this year? Where do you see yourself in two years? Those time frames, I can think that far ahead. But five years, good goodness. Like we never saw COVID coming, so nobody could have ever figured out what was going to happen, you know, with all of that. So I I can do the two years ahead, that sort of thing, but I get very overwhelmed very easily, and I can't do too, too far ahead. Um, no, in terms no, of Invincible, yeah. what is your role? So I am um, – on season one, I was a, the writer's, writer's assistant, voice records assistant. Mm-hmm. Um which is a lot of different things. Essentially, I got to sit in the writer's room and take notes and distribute those notes and uh, just to make sure that our writers had all the information they needed to write their outline and then their scripts mm-hmm. um, uh, based on what we discussed in the room. And then, you know, from there, I did a lot of proofreading, you know. Uh, I proofread every draft every of every outline and every script. And, um, once the proofreads of those are done, I distribute them to the people they need to go to, whether that be our crew or Amazon execs or our internal execs or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then, um, uh, you know, I, then I prepared everything for all the voice records. So just, you know, making sure our actors had all the things that they needed to read and like made sure that we were going to get everything that we needed that day and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh just organize that and you know work with our casting director to like you know just get all that stuff done and then um yeah and then i did a lot of the then i conform all the scripts to the like the final so like the um the script that we originally write and the end of the like the episode itself are 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 different and that's not like they're not like massively different it's just that truly animation you know you write out some things you want to happen in the fight scene, but you know, 
if you wrote out every single thing that happened in a fight scene, it would take up like 20 pages. And then you would rather than a 60 page script, you'd have like, yeah, rather than a 60 page script, you'd have like a 200 page script or something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Borst get a lot of like, uh, they have a lot of, a lot of leeway and a lot of like, uh, uh, creativity and you know like stuff to add and bring to it um i love watching what board artists do with with what the scripts have mm. and you know then i'll go and conform and just kind of be you know just kind of not like write it out but essentially just make sure it matches up and like you know maybe the editor changed around where a dialogue thing happened or something like that and so mm. then i conform the script to match what the actual picture is so we kind of have like a final conformed script that matches the final version that everybody sees Man. Um, and that helps us, you know, with like translating and, and things of that nature and yeah. like, um, subtitles and stuff of like that. So it's yeah. wild how um, many jobs require to make a thing, whether it's a movie or a TV show oh, yeah. or a live action or animated. There are just so many people that aren't in the you know, they're not like in the title credits of it's usually the actors and like the, t the quote unquote talent, but the behind the scenes, yeah. there are just so many people that it takes to make a thing. It's mind boggling. So many. It's crazy. So do you many. have, I know. like outside of this project, if, if I do tempt myself with the like five, six years down the line, are there other aspects of production or creation that you're interested in? I mean, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to eventually, you know, be a writer, you know, like really? and, and just be paid to write. Yeah, that's, Amazing. that's the goal. And, you know, I do feel like this is like a job that leads to that. Oh, yes. Any job where you get to be like a quote unquote fly on the wall and you get to see how other people handle situations, how they like in a writer's room, I imagine there's pitching ideas so there's vulnerability and like i have an idea and is it scary to say an idea loud and no one like it or do i get the instant yeah that's great let's do it and the the sort of like yes and encouraging vibe or it's having to be really to your point be really organized and have everything together so that it can be a vehicle for other people to succeed in their jobs there's just so many little pieces of it that at the end of a TV show a or a movie, there are so many credits. And every time I think, wow, took so many people to make this thing. Those are all full-time jobs, people. Those aren't just like, oh, this person clocked in two to three hours. Those, yeah. those are people who are on, on set on those jobs for, you know, it varies differently. But, I mean, everybody when they were there, you know, especially on live action movies, they're usually pulling 12, 14 hour days. <sighs> That's crazy. That's just nuts. It is, you know. There's a there was a big um, there was a threat of a strike to actually oh, help yeah. with that. I don't yeah. know if anybody read about that with IATSE. It's an ongoing thing, I think. Is like yeah, kind of. We've all had this moment of okay, we all had to slow down and think about like even folks in restaurant jobs, like the food industry. So there's a lot of like reflection that needs to happen of how we treat people in their jobs because it is hard work on your yeah. feet, moving around, being able to pivot and make things happen. And there's my understanding of it is that there's certain hours and you have to like meet deadlines and there's it's just there's a lot of balls flying around. <laughs> I don't know how you guys do it. It's really impressive. And uh, I admire it a lot. 
Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It really is. Okay, so I have one little like just get to know Ross moment. Uh, this is we typically oh, yeah. play this game called Overshare, and I need you to pick a number one through two hundred and twenty. Okay, um, twenty one. Twenty one. Okay, so this basically is like if we were on a first date, getting to know each other those types of questions and I have to answer Sweet. as well. So this is called overshare Okay. and you picked question number 21. Here it is. If you could travel back in time, what decade would you choose to live in? Oh boy. What do you think? I can go first. I know my answer is as a woman, I don't want to go back. <laughs> so uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe I would just be in my twenties again. So I'll just go back to like 2010, 20, 2000s, be even younger, maybe like go back to middle school or something. Um, but I personally don't want to go too far back, but, um, also like really glamorous LA and like the, the forties could be interesting to go. Fly yeah. on the wall. Seems, seems really awesome i mean like you know like 40s and 50s always kind of like i'm like oh those would be cool but then also at the same time it's like oh also segregation and oh, like yeah. you know things that were pretty awful over there so it's mm -hmm. like actually i don't really think i do want to go back to those you know i don't think that's quite what the boomers and the great generation <laughs> you know described it to be i think they might be looking at it with rose-colored glasses correct oh, me yeah. if i'm wrong yes you know, honestly, I just because of my deep, deep, deep love of teen 90s rom-coms mm -hmm. or 90s teen rom-coms, just for the audience, to, just to clarify, yeah. I would love to be, like, go to high school in the 90s. Like, okay. I would love that. I think that would be so fun. Like, a, particularly Stadium High, where they shoot 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. If you could pluck me into that, I'd be, I'd be stoked. I mean, the 90s were very carefree. The economy was good. Yeah, I feel There was no war. <laughs> it's pretty good. We, the, the 90s were like, like, I think the last time we were allowed to be oblivious, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you can't be oblivious anymore. You, we know too much. Yeah. And that's something that I would, I would really enjoyed to be part of in the 90s. The biggest thing for me in the 90s was where can I get a beanie baby and how much more can I get after I get that beanie baby? It was pretty good. Which one is my favorite Power Ranger? You know, like. Exactly. Very easy. Very simple times. Very easy. All right. So let's go back to the 90s. That sounds good. Um, okay, so the yeah. last little bit of every show, we give advice, and this question seems appropriate for you, and it's not specific to, so the question is tips for pre preparing into, for, sorry, blah, blah, blah. tips for, for, for preparing to get into the workforce, and I'm going to say that workforce is a very broad word. It's not necessarily entertainment industry. But just do you have any advice for someone who is preparing to go into the workforce? And with all of your experience, do you have any tips? Yeah, um, you know, again, I think in like a almost like a corny advice way, but it's advice I truly, truly believe um, is uh, find a job where you can be comfortable being yourself. Um, I think something that's really underrated about you know, essentially being, I don't know, enjoying your job is, is not feeling like you have to put on a front for nine hours a day. Um, and I think for your own personal happiness and growth and all those things, 
if you can feel comfortable in your own skin at your job being who you are and not feeling like you have to like hide aspects of yourself i think the happier you'll be and i think that's true for a lot of things um i really do but like in your workforce too it's a you know i feel very comfortable being myself every day and um i'm a bit of a goofy guy and like certainly had been told in my life before that like i could be annoying at times or things like that and so um you know i like i don't know all I have to say is like, you know, I could be self-conscious about that, but I'm not now. And, uh, and that helps because I feel like I'm able to be myself at work. Oh. And so that's just, you know, I know that's like a weird one to give, but like really like finding a place where you can feel like you're being authentic, feel like being yourself, all that kind of stuff is really, really helpful, not just for your work, but also for you as a person and your own happiness. That is such a beautiful answer. I would never have thought to say that. And it, I completely agree with you. And I think that is a very practical, encouraging advice. Well done. That was Thank perfect. Um, okay, so people should watch Invincible. Duh. It's a really yeah. violent cartoon. <laughs> it's great. Don't don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. It's it's a family cartoon, guys. The family cartoon. Um, it's on Amazon. Highly recommend it. I think this household got through it in like one or two days. So um, excited for your continued growth in your career. And thank you for doing this for me. This was so nice to chat about a lot of things oh, yeah. that I didn't know about you, Ross. So this is great. I I really enjoyed this, Sarah. Anytime, okay. anytime. Excellent. Although I think it's a one and done guest thing, yeah. But no I, had, I had a great time. Also, I have you this back. is my this is my this is my podcast debut. I was just gonna say that it's my <gasps> podcast debut. Well, I would be happy to have you back on for literally anything. Um, this was lovely. So I hope you enjoy your Sunday. I hope the you new too. upgrade to your room. Are we gonna like zhuzh it up, or are we simply moving things into a new space? We're moving things and then we're zhuzhing. Oh. Moving and then zhuzhing. I love the zhuzh. It feels like so refreshing love to zhuzh. zhuzh up your space. Well, Ross, thank you Completely so much agree. again. And uh, we'll talk soon. Talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.